0: Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle podcast brought to you by Generation to Generation, where you'll be inspired by the past, equipped for the present and prepared for the future as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. If you've been inspired by the guests that we've had on the podcast, please like, subscribe, comment, hit notification bells, whatever you can do on the platforms that you're listening on so that more people have the opportunity of hearing these and engaging in our community. Hello, everyone. This is Andrew and Daphne. Our guest today is Stephen Borden. Stephen, for people that don't know who you are, could you just say a bit about where you're from and what you do?
1: Yep. Um, it's good to be here. I am here in the United States in Southern California and have a bit of a, I guess, American football background would be the best best starting point. Um, played in college and then made the attempt at playing at the professional level in the NFL and spent a couple of years in and out of tryouts and all that. And I think through my exposure to American football and trying to, you know, there's it's a constant push to enhance human performance, that kind of spurred a lot of interest in myself, both in how to improve physical performance and health. Uh, but then also, you know, what what does it take to get somebody to take action? I think a lot of people get stuck in uh, knowing that they need to do certain things and just not fully understanding how to get the ball rolling. And I felt like there's a lot of like high-low advice. S- some advice is very in the clouds. Um, just believe in yourself, which I think is great, but it only gets you so far. Um, and then there's uh, maybe the other side of the fence saying, you know, just just work. And I agree with that statement as well. Um, but I have thought a lot about, well, how do we get both of those things to combine? Um, what are the practical steps that actually get people to kind of take action? And so um, long story short, uh, launched a podcast myself called Momentum around this, this um, idea of, well, let me just talk to people who have done things. And perhaps through their experience and through kind of the conversation that we can weed out, uh, people can pick up little ideas and actionable steps that they can take towards living a better life. Uh, so that's kind of one side. I've got kind of my own podcast and ambitions there. And then um, my work that I do as a, in, as a career, I work with a company called VALD, which is a sports technology company, which we were just chatting on um, offline. And we, we produce human measurement technology. And so Kind of both of those worlds tend to collide a little bit, which is cool. I'm still kind of in the human performance space, but really all in just about optimizing uh, the, the the human experience through figuring out how to take action.
0: And then for people that listen to this, they say we like Stephen. We want to hear more from him. Where can they do that?
1: I am on most social media platforms just as Stephen Borden, Stephen with a V, B O R D E N. Instagram, um, and then my podcast is called Momentum with Stephen Borden on every streaming platform.
0: Okay, and uh, the links will be in the description box, ready for people to go and check out. So um, a bit of your background, um, how did you end up? Were you always athletic? Uh, did you always want to be professional footballer? Um, how did that come about?
1: I, I always had reasonable athletic ability, and I think was probably eight years old. The way my dad tells the story is, he was just trying to walk through the garage, and I kept cutting him off. I wouldn't let him walk past me. And he's like, "What do you, What do you need?" And I said, "Dad, I want to play football. You know, the kind where you put shoulder pads on and you hit people." He said, "Okay." And so he, you know, he signed me up, and I have played pretty much ever since. Um, and yeah, always, as we we're, as I mentioned earlier, always kind of had the aspiration to play. In the NFL. And um, I ended up playing, kind of wrapping up my career at University of Kentucky, uh, which is a college program here in the US and spent a couple of years bouncing in and out of NFL tryouts and all that. And, you know, that's an interesting process because it takes your whole life from a commitment perspective, but there is no money to be made until you're on a team. So you're, you know, and I was just getting married at 24 years old so it was an interesting time to you, you eventually have to make the call should do i keep doing this or am i interested in pursuing other ventures and so yeah i've been out of the game now for i guess seven or eight years
0: and was that a difficult decision ultimately like how did you uh process that whole thing and were you okay with the decision you made did you find a piece in that or did it take a while for
1: that to come about I did. The one thing I told myself is for one, life, well, life is short and life is long. It depends on how you look at it. But I thought if I'm lucky and I have an amazingly long career, you know, most guys, 35 is kind of getting up there. So I'm going to be a young dude at 35, done. That means I'm still going to have to figure out what to do with the next however many years I'm, I'm here on earth. And so, it was just, it came down to just being very practical of, you know, this journey is going to end at some point. So why am I crying about the, the time point difference of seven or eight years? Money can figure itself out. Everything else will figure itself out. Um, it was just a practical embracing of the situation.
0: And you were fairly at peace with it when you made that decision.
1: Yeah, it was, it was tough. And I think there was a, there was a period of time where, um, because there was a period of time where it wasn't clear if I was done yet or not. And as soon as I had clarity, there was a lot of peace, but there was a period of time where I was, you know, it's you're you're never at peace. Well, I forget what the quote is, but it's something like there's, there's nobody more anxious than somebody who's halfway through a decision. And um, that, that was me for a period of time. But yeah, as soon as I was sure on it, it was very clear.
0: Yeah. We'd often, uh, when talking to people, About things like this Um, we often say "Look, make a decision and live with that and see if peace comes with that decision Uh, like you said when you're just stuck in the middle you don't know what you're doing it's hard you always feel like you're kind of in some sort of turmoil so we said look just make a decision and live with it and uh, if peace doesn't come then maybe maybe go the other way
1: (laughs) the best advice anybody could give and then Oh, sorry.
0: No, no just there. it's good,
2: best advice anyone can give. I'm just pressing pause on that moment so that listeners
0: can you really... You're patting yourself on your back? No,
2: I'm patting you on <laughs> oh, the back. You're the one that said it. <laughs> oh, yeah, but
0: anyway. <laughs> so um, did you ever think about following in your dad's footsteps? And for people that don't know, um, maybe just say a bit about who he is. Because it's interesting. Was that ever a part of your journey or... Because you see it so often, people following in their footsteps, in the, especially in the family's footsteps in that industry.
1: Yeah, it's funny. We, growing up even, it was, we were, m- removed might be a bad word, but it just was never a, a thing in our household. I felt like, you know, we lived a, a relatively normal life other than what he did for work. And so when he got home, we, we didn't even talk about, he didn't want to talk about wrestling. He wanted to talk about football or whatever else we were doing. And so the the combination of that me kind of always having my own relationship with him outside of wrestling and then the fact that I mean from the time I was a kid and then it really started to amplify once I got into high school I started to look a little bit more like him um just getting the question of like so when are you going to when are you going to wrestle you know when when are you going to follow in your father's footsteps I think probably the ego side of me always wanted to just do my own thing and um for a while felt like if i did that which you know there's no guarantee that you're even going to make it anyway so it, it would be presumptuous of me to suggest that you know that i would be received in the same way from the wrestling community and fans as my dad was already but even if i was i think there was a uh, a part of me that thought you know that that could be taken away from me by people who thought that you know i was only given that opportunity because of my dad and i think i wanted to leave you know, no doubt that whatever I did, it was because of me. And that's that was what I loved about football because nobody cared who my dad was. They might care in the locker room for conversation, but the coach who's, you know, the tight end coach who's worried about keeping his job is not going to put Steven Borden on the field because Stephen Borden's dad is sting. He is the last thing he cares about. So um that's a, a roundabout way of saying I've I've it's never crossed my mind to be a professional wrestler. Um that said my dad is kind of on his way he's on his way out right now and um we've had a a few conversations back and forth about you know part of me feels like and i've i actually never expressed this publicly before not that i have any sort of um celebrity it's not like a, a public announcement or anything like that but part of me feels like um there will there will i'll miss doing something like if i never experienced some kind of wrestling moment with my dad whatever that is even if that's five seconds in the ring um part of me feels like i'll regret that later down the road and i've I've gone all these years with him wrestling i've never thought that but kind of in the last it's been like the last six months to a year i'm watching him going man like i just take for granted the fact that he's done this my whole life and now he's in his last moves And so it is kind of weird to picture that kind of sailing away and never kind of experiencing something in the ring with him. That said, the odds of that happening are probably less than 1%. So it's just, again, will probably have to be something that I'll just embrace the same way I embrace that, you know, the NFL wasn't going to happen. So long story short, never really crossed my mind until recently. And even then, it would be a a very small kind of moment here and there in the ring, if anything else.
0: Hmm. I guess is that it's not so much even necessarily about his career. It's about you. Is, is that maybe more so about your relationship with him and you being a part of his journey and what he was doing um, as opposed to what it is that he does for work?
1: It, it's it's completely about him and 0% about me. It's like, I, I just think it would be, I look at certain, certain whether it's a celebrity or an athlete and the the opportunity that people have, you know, when they when they're done, they're done, and you never get to see them again in that capacity. And I picture like a, yeah, I'm trying to think of a good example, but when you, I think the similarities between us two have have kind of grown over the years in like how we talk and kind of mannerisms and looks and stuff. And so I think it would be kind of cool to to for him to be able to see that um kind of like a a flashback like a 90s kind of vibe um it would be cool for me to be able to experience that uh, with him um but yeah it it has nothing to do about me and all of a sudden wanting to be a wrestler and everything to do about kind of a cool moment with my dad Hmm.
2: so if you sort of slide over into the momentum field some of that must have come from your own experience and some of it from observing other people and talking to other people. Can we start on the flip side of that? What do you see as some of the primary reasons people don't get momentum?
1: Yeah, I think it's um, a lot of people I've, I've noticed will lean into some form of perfectionism but it's it's really just a, a fear of taking action. There's this um, tendency to sweep things under the rug because taking action is difficult and facing something is difficult. And particularly if there's something that you know that you should be doing, it's difficult to acknowledge that. And when we if we're super out of shape and we don't feel good about ourselves, um, stepping into the gym or starting to train is, it's visceral. Like it hits you. Like I, and also it's a period of time where you're doing the hard thing and you don't have, you don't technically feel any of the benefits because you step into the gym, you're in horrible shape. It just kind of hits you with, with the fact that you're, you're in horrible shape and now you feel lousy and you don't look any better or technically feel any better after stepping in the gym one time. So there's that, the initial phase I think is the most difficult part the the fear over the first step uh the first few steps um so i would say that and then just over complicating the the end product so this idea that i need to figure out exactly how to get over that mountain that's 6 miles away right now when um as you guys just said earlier make a decision and then f- see how that kind of calibrates after i think that's the best process is take those steps you'll you'll find your footing as you go
2: so I'm listening to what you're saying about walking in the gym and you're unfit and everything. I'm thinking a couple of things. First of all, we have a phrase that says, just have a go. Just just have a go, you know, not not sort of, I don't know, just for the fun of it almost, just have a go. But then I think almost tied up with what you're saying is where is your identity as a person because if your identity is going to be bound up with your achievements, it's going to be hard. And you couldn't really have the just let's have a go attitude. Am I right?
1: I mean, spot on. And if, if your identity is tied in your achievements, then it doesn't even matter if you achieve them or not. Because uh, this this idea that we'll just always look at the next thing. Um, I remember experiencing that thoroughly. I always wanted to play Division One football. There was, it felt like a huge milestone for since I was eight years old. And then the day that I got my offer and I accepted to go play at university of Kentucky, it was actually a bigger school than I ever imagined I'd play at. And it, there was almost no excitement. It was a, my first thought was, okay, now when I want to get there. I got to do X, Y, and Z. And you're just thinking about the next thing. You know, you make a million, you're, you're worried about 2 million. It's just how it goes. So, um, yeah, certainly.
2: I mean, it- this just have a go doesn't work if you're going to jump out on an airplane, but, you know, there, there's plenty of other things it do, it does work. And you know, we've, we've fairly lived that, haven't we? We just say, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll just have a go. So yeah. how have you helped, do you think, people to overcome these internal and external obstacles and have a go? Because like you say, I think that first step is, is often the hardest because if you can do that first step, you've got a sense of achievement immediately, haven't you? But when you start off, you don't have any.
1: Yeah. I think examples tend to help people. And I, if, uh, prime example is I, a couple of years ago realized like, I think my day would be better if I've uh, long have been in the habit of, I wake up and I immediately check my phone for my emails and deal with whatever I need to deal with. And I thought, I think, you know, I think my days would actually be better if I just started my day with a walk, like just a short 10 minute walk, get outside. There's plenty of health benefits to that that are separate. Um, but I just, the thought of doing it is just haven't been in the habit of doing it. It's like, I hate doing it. I don't want to do it. It's boring. It's 10 minutes, 20 minutes that I don't want to do. And so long story short, I ended up just kind of making myself do it. And the first several times it was like, I had to set an alarm to get myself to do it, and I just didn't want to do it. And then I don't remember when it happened, but at some point, maybe a month in, I caught myself. I always leave my flip-flops right outside my front door, and I caught myself sliding my feet into my flip-flops one morning, realizing that I hadn't even thought about anything other than… like I was just all of a sudden… It's like when a dream starts and you're just there. It was almost like that because it had just become so programmatic for me to go on a walk that there wasn't an internal discussion of whether or not I was going to go on one. I had just built that kind of into my inner wiring. And so I think examples like that and then communicating to people that that is the path, that is the, the direct path that you're on when you start to implement a good habit is that um, because we perceive it as it's always going to be as difficult as it is in the very beginning and I'm just gonna have to do this. And it's actually, it's generally not that way. It becomes part of your internal algorithm over time. And so, yeah, examples and just communicating the, the, how the process tends to go seems to be fairly helpful.
0: Yeah, I guess it's like a muscle memory. Um, and it, I guess it even, um, like we just had this the other day, so we were driving and um, you know she can tell straight away if you go slightly over the speed limit without looking, but over years of consistently driving at a certain speed, you can just tell, hang on, this feels slightly quicker than normal. And so I guess, I guess it's when you don't have that muscle memory, it's setting the pattern. I, I'm deciding to set the pattern every day. I'll walk at 7am for 10 minutes and you might set your alarm, but once you do it over and over and over again, you're probably just start waking up at the time to go and do those things. And so your body just adjusts to doing it. And eventually, like I said, you're not making those decisions. It's just now your body is used to that rhythm in life. So I guess it, you know, taking that first step is is the difficult one. Um, but how about, how do you like help people in terms of like setting the rhythms, helping them to consistently hit those patterns? Um, and then how, how long, would you say often it takes people to get to the point where those patterns they've had to set just become a part of the rhythm of life?
1: Yeah, that's a, so. the The last question is a tough one because it, there's so many factors at play. From uh, you know, there's psychological factors, there's uh, how deeply ingrained is the the current habit that they're looking to break. Uh, but I I would direct people if they're interested to uh, Dr. Melissa Davis, PhD in uh, neuroscience and human behavior, she's got a book called Evidence-Based Habit Building. And she walks through the current literature on habit formation and all of that. And there's some really good, <clears throat> excuse me, really good practical tools in there for how to go about um, implementing behaviors that y- you want to to add into your life or removing some that you want to remove. And And one of them would be just came to mind when you talked about, you know, how do you get people to It's okay. It's great to take the first step, but how do you continue to do it? Um, Pairing behaviors seems to be really helpful. So, uh, so, so two things, having a a set schedule and a time of when you're going to do the thing and then pairing it. So I'll, I'll go back to the set time. If you just say to yourself, I want to work out three times a week. That's some level of direction, but there's not enough specificity in there to to drive very specific behavior change. When you have a lot, you have a tidal wave coming against you of previous behavior. Um, but saying I'm going to work out on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, that's a lot better. Even better than that is saying Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I have work at you know I've got my first meeting at 10 a.m. I'm going to work out at 8:30 a.m. Because there's a gym, uh, you know, right by my spot, and I'm going to shower, and I'm going to be to my ten o'clock meeting, or you know, right after my lunch at noon on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to go do this thing. So then those two things become paired together, and we're, the likelihood that we're going to actually take that action is much is significantly increased. Um, it's even better if you pair it with something that you enjoy doing. So if you can get a friend to go with you that you enjoy being with. Um, you know that's or you know maybe after the gym you drink a protein shake that you actually really like or something like that where we can begin to ingrain some of these habits there are very practical tools like that that can be very helpful
2: so i i love psychology and understanding people so i'm probably coming at it from that angle but how much i wonder is it understanding yourself as opposed to understanding someone else now for me, I'm a very goal-oriented person. And if I set a goal, I'm going to keep it. I mean, sometimes it's a bit ridiculous, the lengths I'll go to. Just because I set that goal, I will keep It's that keep competitive
0: it. nature, isn't it, kicking in?
2: Well, it may be, but I'm self-disciplined enough to, mm. I am going to do it if I set it. So for me, like you said, if I said I'm doing it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to do it then, that's my goal set and there's nothing going to stop me. But surely there must be other people, obviously, with other ways of self-motivating, whether it's by reward or something like that. Is that a key factor in in understanding who you are and how to self-motivate yourself? Is is that a play factor?
1: I'm sure it does. Um, And you're referring to just understanding whether you're the type of person that's, if you're, so the opposite of you would be somebody who's, struggles significantly to maintain a habit or have goals. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Um, If
2: if I am that person, right, now I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it. But you said about pairing and and you said about setting a time. I'm translating that into my thinking, which would be they were goals I'm going to achieve. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I've set my goals that will work for me because now I'm going to do it um but for somebody else it could it be things like I will reward myself by not eating a bar of chocolate but um in some way needing rewards to motivate them surely people Do must Do you mean
0: pairing have, pairing the action you need to take with a reward? Yeah, Is that what you mean
2: because they they would reward themselves like hypothetically I cannot think because I'm not a reward person, I'm a (laughs) good person. But does not the psychology of understanding how to self-motivate yourself play a huge part in it so that I'm not trying to motivate myself how you would, but I understand what will motivate me and not necessarily put that on somebody else?
1: Yes and no. Interestingly, what seems to be the case is that the, the reward actually comes from doing the, excuse me, coughing a lot today, doing the right thing and understanding that we're on the right path. So we can try to, to incentivize ourselves with, you know, if I go to the gym, then I'm going to eat a chocolate bar or whatever. And, um, but generally the, the actual reward is doing the thing. Um, and, and that's where, that's where habits become a lot easier to adopt because, we start to to enjoy the process more than the actual end result. Um, and so I'm sure there are it you know there are individual differences for sure there's not everybody's the same and there's probably unique ways to tackle it to tackle goals but at the same time there are um, general human human beings aren't that different at the end of the day in terms of our internal, um, you know, goal-directed behavior decisions, things like that. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting topic though.
0: Is it, is it something that um, as you grew up, because c- your dad would have to keep uh, consistent schedules, although traveling a lot, um, but he would have to be super motivated to continue to, let's say, work out on a regular schedule, even more so probably with the traveling. Is this something that seeing how he managed his lifestyle that that impacted you um as you got older
1: it must have i mean I, I think when i when i think about what i learned from him it's you know much of what i i think it means to be a man i've learned from my dad and or just what it means to be a, a disciplined human being um and he taught me self-discipline. He taught me that, you know, you don't, you aren't really owed anything in life. Um, And I'm sure a lot of it came from how I observed his, I I can't say directly, but I think that must have played a role. And just from observation and from just literally what he would teach me. And um, yeah.
0: Was there a time where maybe you, you went through something that knocked you and maybe that sense of motivation just was taken out from under your legs and you had to really kind of find your feet and and build that momentum again. Uh, Was there something like that that hit you and how did you gain your momentum back again?
1: I would say the ending of the football career was a difficult time period. I had just gotten married and, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you you don't really make any money when you're not on a team. So it was like side hustles left and right, trying to make enough money so that I could keep training because you're, you, it's going to be hard to find a job when you know, you're know, you telling an employer, hey, um, I'm down to work, but I also need to be training a lot every day. I need to be able to leave whenever I want to go to a tryout. Uh, and I might not be around for longer than a month. You know, So I had to find a way to make money doing my own thing for the most part. And so that time period was rough because then football ends. I'm trying to figure out how to you know keep a roof over our head and you know pay for life but my dream has just ended at the same time so there was that um and i was pretty out of shape i think it was the most out of shape i've ever been um in my life and i think figuring out how to crawl out of that actually taught me a lot of principles that um i even basic principles of fat loss that i kind of first started to adopt and learn and um yeah that that was probably a good example
0: um i mean this is a bit off off topic you mentioned a couple of times when you're playing college football you don't get paid anything and people that haven't been to america they may not realize this but it's massive i mean it's on tv i mean it stars in your own right um is that something that, that players talk about? I've often said to people in America, I'm like, man, how are these people all over TV? You've got fifty thousand people or however many in a stadium, and they don't get paid for this. And uh, obviously they're studying. And then I was like, well, surely there must be some way they can get money off image rights or something like that to support themselves. And I think there was a case, right, recently where I think that has changed. But is that yeah. something they talk about in college Yeah. dressing rooms? Like, it's, how are we even getting? Like we're in these stadiums, not getting nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah it's a huge conversation and players are now able to take endorsement deals. And I'm not sure all the specifications there, but when I was there, for instance, we couldn't even, if we went to Chipotle and we tried to get a burrito and they said, oh, Kentucky football, it's half off or it's free. We couldn't accept anything, even a dollar off. You could lose your scholarship, the whole thing. Wow. Now players can, you'll see them post you know, draft Kings, download the app and use my discount code. Like they're, they're able to do promotional deals, which I think is really cool. Um, so yeah, it's, the opportunities are getting better. I still think players probably should, there should be less limitations on what players are able to to earn monetarily from the blood, sweat and tears that they put into the game.
0: If there was a, if there was a player who's phenomenal, right. And they, they kill it on image rights, sponsorships, etc., cetera. With the college, um, help to prepare people to be able to handle that money? Or is it you just get the money and you try and figure that out on your own? Because obviously if people would end up with lots of money, there's so many stories of people just like their lives just crash and burn as a result of it.
1: Yep. They, they do help a ton there. They'll put you with advisors. Generally, they try to remove, they try to create layers between the player and people in their life because it's funny, but when you sign a $30 million contract, all of a sudden a lot of people know you and love you and need something from you. And so they try to put uh, it kind of air cover layers around you of, um, well, I, I would love to give you thirty grand, but you got to talk to my manager. He makes those decisions, and that that makes players feel a lot better, more comfortable saying no, um, and then also just here's how you should probably invest, um, you know, and spend a little bit more dis- from a, more disciplined, etc.
2: Well, so in I don't know about other nations, and there are many listening to this, but um a different big difference between the us and the uk is uh uh, do i understand it properly that you that if you're good at sport that is a massive entrance into a college
1: yeah uh you so you can get offered so to clarify if you're really good at sport you can get a, a full scholarship which means all of your college is paid for uh they they do pay you so we got paid like a monthly kind of almost a stipend to cover your life expenses. Um, but for perspective, this is something like a thousand dollars a month, um which is it, you're not getting rich off of that. you're it, It's enough to make sure that you can cover your rent and your food and things like that., um, but your education is paid for, which is cool. And yeah, that's that's a thing here in the United States at at big enough schools
2: but but you would have to have your academics in line as well.
1: Yeah, so you do have to maintain a certain grade point average in order to, to hold your scholarship, and they also allow they they provide tutors and things like that for athletes to to make sure that they're on track.
2: Oh, that's very different to I me. Mean, last I knew, you um, that was an extra you offered. It didn't have such a big a big impact. Um, but then the education system is very different all around, isn't it? Yeah. So do you have brothers or sisters?
1: I do. I've got an older brother, Garrett, and then a sister who's eight years younger than me, Gracie.
2: So have have they been impacted by the fact that your father's name is out there? Have they been influenced by it to an extent that it's impacted their life decisions?
1: I don't think so. I think we're all very similar in the sense of we just... Feel like we had fairly normal childhood. Obviously, we understand who he is, um, but everybody's kind of on their own path, doing their own thing. And um, my my sister certainly has no interest in becoming a professional wrestler. <laughs> uh, my brother's in the very same position as I am, and um, yeah, we're just we're just happy to like watch from afar and enjoy what he does. But I'd say it has had very little impact on materially on our life.
2: Mm. So what would you say now, you've got, if you, there's some young people watching this, and they feel their lives drift, they've got dreams, but they won't come to anything. And they're, they're just drifting through life. What, what would you say to them, Stephen?
1: I would say not to be overly concerned about finding the grand goal. Um, I think a lot of us sit around, and I've done this, and think, because we know we need. To, I need to do something that I'm passionate about, but I don't know what that is. People get stuck on that sentence for 20 years, 30 years, um, and they never actually find it. I think, as we were discussing earlier, the reward becomes the action that you're taking. And... If you're feeling stuck, and if you feel like, I don't know what I'm passionate about, and even if I do, I don't really know where to start, just start taking the actions. Like, If you think about yourself, think about what would an extraordinary person do? If I was an extraordinary human being, just hypothetically, what would I do? If I, If I wanted to live an extraordinary life, what actions would I take? Okay, well, yeah, I'm sure I would work out pretty often. That's okay. I could do that. Um, I'm kind of interested in this, and I have always kind of debated starting a podcast or a YouTube channel. The ext- and then this is why you're you're almost thinking about this externally. What would an extraordinary person do? Because if you're just thinking about yourself, a lot of times people go, "Yeah, but I I don't I don't know how to start videos," and I, like it's when am I going to actually do that? And you you start stopping yourself. It's like, no, no, no. think about w- the extraordinary version of yourself. Okay, yeah, I I would start a YouTube channel. Cool, and you just work your way down the list. And then the simplest solution is to just start doing those things. Uh, and and your life will probably start to pan out in a way that you could have never imagined over the period of three months, six months, a year, just by taking actions that you understand to be, uh, that the the incredible version of yourself would take.
0: Yeah, we often say to people, you know, we we might see something that we want to do, or we see other people that do things that we would like to do. We think, well, of course they could do it because A, B, and C. And we disqualify ourselves from ever even having a go. And we say to people, stop disqualifying yourself. Um, you know, we, we're we so quick to think of the reasons why we cannot achieve something, why we cannot do something. And it's always kind of the way you're, you're harder on yourself than you would ever be to anyone else. Um, and so we say to people, look, just have a go. just Just give it a go, see what happens. If you just open that door and try and walk through it and, uh, and maybe, I mean, throughout our lives, we've kind of lived that way is seeing challenges. If someone would say to me in certain situations, oh, this feels like an impossible situation, then my automatic response is, well, let me just test the boundaries of impossibility. It's not that I'll find another way, but I just want to Let's just test and see if we can figure this out. Uh, And so a bit like what you've just said, you know, people are so quick to disqualify themselves from ever even having a go. And, uh, you know, people talk about faith the size of a mustard seed. And uh, we say to people, you know, that mustard seed is probably just let's just give it a go. Let's just see what happens if we push this door. And um, yeah, so that's that's one of the things we
1: keep saying to people is don't disqualify yourself. Yeah. Cool. It's it's like, you know, you can't do it. Cool. What's the alternative? Because you're sitting across from me right now, clearly disappointed, clearly disenchanted with the current status of your life. So it doesn't matter whether or not you can or can't do it. Because taking the steps will, regardless of where you land, will almost by definition put you in a better position because you're taking forward action towards a, in the right direction um yeah
0: yeah and I guess even if you give it a go and you still don't you don't manage to achieve what it was that you had a, that you tried to do you you still should be able to go hey you know what at least I I was willing to step out of my comfort zone and, and try something and of course I mean there's all these pro athletes they all didn't just get to that level because they started and everything went phenomenally uh michael jordan didn't hit every <laughs> everything every first time he tried i think there's that quote out there about him how uh, they said do you remember something like do you remember all the points you scored or something no i remember all the ones i missed or something yeah. like that and um but but at least these people are willing to to do it and and consistently failing in order to get to the point where they were successful, um, I, I saw on um, on uh, somewhere on social media that uh, you're expecting. Oh, it's a Father's Day post, I think, and you're expecting uh, a girl. Yeah, first one. Um, so uh, I, I guess that would be a real test of your motivation, right? When uh, she's crying, um, hopefully, it's a real easy one. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, yeah
1: fingers crossed I think she's gonna be great
0: <laughs> test your test your motivation to keep getting up early in the morning your walks I guess that's you right just include a take. Yeah, I've got them. a lot
1: to prove because I've, a lot of people have given me the oh just you wait just you wait until you have a kid and people have been just you waiting me for my whole life um and so far um they've been wrong so I'm going to continue to believe that they'll be wrong yeah, you, about this too you
2: continue to believe that you definitely continue to believe that don't have a tip from me don't believe any of the just you wait till they're two just you mm. wait till teenagers i'm still waiting for his two-year-old so. yeah
1: you raised a good one here
0: you <laughs> won't you won't have it hmm? there've been times where you, you were heavily criticized for things that you decided oh, to do and you time. said look you can criticize me now come back in 10 years and uh, and we'll see what happened um yeah and we're and we're big on especially with like younger people um, when they have goals, they have visions, dreams for their lives. And, uh, often the adults, the parents, if even will belittle it and say, no, you're not going to achieve that with your life. And, uh, when it comes to young people, we're like super heavy on the adults. So, Hey, don't crush the dreams of the next generation. Um, who are you to say whether they can or can't achieve these dreams that they have? Um, so when it comes to young people, your girl, um whoever it might be you know we should be championing the dreams of the next generation and saying you know why can't you achieve these impossible dreams that you have and um you know not letting those fears of the previous generation squash them um so yeah I, i'm sure uh i'm sure you'll be great at um helping to champion your your daughter's motivations and dreams and things like that for her life she can always go back and check out your podcast episodes (laughs) a bunch of parenting (laughs)
1: going on in there already (laughs) that's right we're excited we've had so many conversations around parenting because my wife was a nanny i don't know do you guys use that word in uk is that uh, okay so she was a nanny um and so we've, we've had a lot of conversations around parenting and all that kind of stuff so we're excited to to raise up an awesome awesome kid that's great
0: um and then, is there anything about about the parenting that, that scares you? You, are you, that fills you with fear as you think about it?
1: This is probably like a bad, like it's controversial, but not really. I, I mean, other than something bad happening to her, obviously, you know, something physical or um, happening to her. I'm, I'm just, I'm more excited than anything else, and I just. I want to be able to teach her how to think systematically and how to to, to view the world in a from a critical and perspective yeah, not critically negative but just um you know be able to think very very systematically and i think if we can check that box and um she's going to be loved and taken care of and all of that i think she's going to be able to go tackle the world in you know pretty awesome ways
2: well, yeah. as we finish, I've got one great bit of news for you on parenting. No parent was ever perfect. Good to hear. Yeah. That's probably the best news you've probably heard today. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: <laughs> you were super close to it, though, right? Sorry? You were close to it, though, right? Almost?
2: Oh, no, 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 no. I've reminded myself of that over and over. <laughs> like, well, no, that. No. Hey,
0: we remind you fairly often.
2: I mean, even, Ma- <laughs> even Mary wasn't perfect, and her son turned out all right, didn't he? <laughs> That's
0: right. That's quite true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, the, we, I mean, we talk about a lot of different examples biblically of, of um, discipleship, and, um, you know, one of my favorites is uh, Mordecai and Esther, and uh, he adopted her as his own, but the, him setting the example for her, and we all, we all think about Esther risking her life to save her people. And I, I feel a bit bad for Mordecai. We all forget about him, but he risked his life first and, and set the yeah. example. And, um, you know, people often say to us, uh, older generation, the parents, they don't know how to disciple. And um we sort of we all know how to disciple, but we all disciple in what we're passionate about, and so if you're passionate about something, you can't help but pass that on to other people uh wear the t- shirts, walking down the street, wearing the hats, getting up in the mornings to watch games or go to go to things and so, if you're passionate about something, you will pass that on to the next generation um so you know, I guess you know for you um you know those things that you're passionate about um, will be passed on to her and uh, it sounds like from this conversation that, that you're passionate about the right things and um, so yeah I'm sure I'm sure it will be will be great um, Stephen thank you so much really appreciate it um, Victoria if you're listening uh thank you as well she's the one that connected us um, yeah. But yeah, th- thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, it's been really good to hear some of your story, uh, but also those things as well, which which kind of push your buttons and that that motivate you. And again, for people listening, the uh, links are in the description box. So go check those out and uh, give some Stephen uh, some love. So appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, thank you Stephen. guys. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode. Remember, if it inspired you, share it with others so we can see more people engaged in this community.